Hello and welcome to the Villa Talks podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pre-Match Social. It's been a few teething issues uh, this evening, unfortunately. We've been having uh, technology issues as ever. It's normally Sam who's who's having the issues because uh, he's normally in his prison prison ward. <laughs> uh, but this week is AJ, actually, who I was saying was probably the most IT literate of, of us all. Um, he's having to use his, uh, his uh, partner's laptop because she's using his work laptop for whatever reason. So... He'll be joining us in about ten minutes uh, for this for the for the match review match preview bit. But for for now, we've got Sam with us. Sam, how are you, mate? All good, all good, Omar. Good, good to uh, be involved again. Good, mate. Good to have you on. Uh, and also this week, we've got a very special guest. First time ever on the Villa Talks podcast. He's a he's a podcast aficionado. He's been on quite a few. Uh, it's Aaron. Aaron, how you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate it. It's uh, good to be here, mate. No, mate. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I've been been to get you on for absolute ages. We had we had a, we had a couple of <laughs> couple of schedule, didn't we? And they, they had to, we had to postpone them a few times. So yeah. it's yeah. good to have you on. Thanks, mate. So um, we're going to do the usual, as always. Go through the uh, usual podcast segments that we always go through. Uh, quite a few news stories uh, this week. Lots to talk about, obviously, with the Leicester game. Uh, an excellent victory there as well. So we'll be diving into that game, uh, and then we'll we'll look ahead to the Liverpool game. AJ's got uh, an excellent article that he wants to talk through as well, which which breaks down some of the key stats and breaks down how we're how Gerrard's actually changed us and his team's actually changed us in terms of the way that we're playing. It's quite an interesting one, and I'll, I'll tweet that out as well along with the with the pod when once it's done. Uh, then uh, Sam's just told me he's got an absolute belter for us uh, for the Villa Vault as well. So absolutely forward <laughs> to that. Um, I've had I've had a shock at the last few weeks. Uh, uh, it's been mid nineties, and I've been really struggling. So I'm yeah, really, we're bringing really it. We're bringing it a bit closer, a bit more up to date, but not not yeah, hugely, but a bit yeah. more up to date. Hopefully, the kids listening to this will understand what we're saying because <laughs> yeah. you've been giving some really seventies and eighties references quite a few. I think, yeah, 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 over yeah. the last uh, last few weeks, and I think we maybe lost a few listeners because they're like, well, <laughs> <"What is this?" laughs> yeah, no doubt. Who are these old fogies? <laughs> we're not that old, honestly. I promise. Right, should we get straight into it then? So, uh, first up, it's from the stands of Villa Park. So, news stories of the week. Um, a, f- a few different news stories this week. Uh, firstly, let's deal with... Let's go from the bad to the good, shall we? So, uh, uh, under-18s, unfortunately, exited the FA Youth Cup. Uh, obviously, trying to defend the title. Lost to Leicester 2-0. Quite, quite an even game. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but... Uh, Leicester came out winners in the end and some impressive performances nonetheless from Villa players and also the Leicester players as well but but still plenty of talent there it's unfortunate obviously with the Youth Cup it's just one of those it's a one-off game uh, but plenty of talent there uh, Ben Crisson Shaq Pocker's playing uh, plenty, plenty of other players uh, uh, playing and, and, and putting up a good display but just unfortunately couldn't quite get it over the line had quite a few good chances as well uh, but, but Aaron uh, how impressed have you been with the with the youth setup this 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 season? Yeah, yeah, mate. It's it's one of those things that I think is my most talked about subject really in, in the kind of last three years. The academy setup, the the youth quality, the the recruitment drive that we've had for the youth, um, the performances that the youth have been putting in consistently across the board in in all cups in all in all games. Um, they've just been outstanding, and I think you know we talked about a few years back about how important it was to get things right 
at all levels at the club um, and we've certainly done that with the youth level and the academy boys um, I think what we're seeing at the moment with the under 18s and you know not getting through this round is is eventually players have to move on and, and you know the last time we were very good in the youth cup at under 18 level you know we had a lot of the boys playing in that game that are now kind of tapping on the door for first team football um, and playing regularly you know training regularly with first team players so um, we have to expect that we, we, we have to release that expectation on every cohort of young people that come through in the academy because it's it's not always going to be the same level um, but I'm really impressed mate really impressed you know there's some real talented boys uh, youngsters in the club um, and they'll all be destined for good things I'm sure and you know sometimes you just need a little bit of time to gel um, they've still got some outstanding players playing in that in that age group as well Bogard I think was playing alongside those boys as well um, yeah really exciting really uh, really thrilling team to watch um, and it's only going to get better, I think, because the club are going to continue to recruit at that level again and bring in the best players from around the world. I think that's the aim, isn't it? To make to make the academy an elite academy, you know, as, as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely, 100%. And I think at that level as well, yeah, I mean, obviously it was great to win the FA Youth Cup, but the most important thing is the development of the players and get them ready for the first team. That's what that's what they're there for at the end of the day. I think I think that mentality did shift before. I think it became all about winning games at that level and it doesn't necessarily... Trans transfer into the first team that that kind of mentality. You know, it's all about getting ready. And I think players like Josh Feeney, for example, is another one who's really impressive on the night. I, don't know, I know we lost, but again, he just looks. It just looks like he's he's going to become a top top player uh, already. You I can mean, the boy's sixteen years yeah, old. I'm asking. You know what I mean, he's playing under eighteen yeah. football and looking like he's been there for five years already. Yeah. So um, that's the kind of talent and standard we're dealing with at that really young level. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. Uh, other news. Uh, so there was the uh, supporters consultation group or fans consultation group, whatever it's called these days. I'm not too sure, but um, I'm not sure when it happened, but the minutes were released uh, yesterday, I think. So um, you can look at whatever whatever website you go on, whatever. Uh, I think you know, my old man said, put the minutes up. I think, well, Villa Talk definitely have. I've looked on there already on the forums. If you want to have a look, look on there. Uh, but there's quite a few different bits. Uh, quite grilling the, the supporters group gave gave the the villa hierarchy around socios and the villa website uh villa tv season ticket holders being uh, not treated as the way they should and things like that but i think i think that animosity was probably at the time when results weren't going that well so maybe that had something to do with it but uh, i think now probably might be slightly different but uh, yeah if you're interested have a have a look at that um on on villa talk or whatever website you look at normally uh, but there was quite a few different representations so representatives, uh, but there was a, there was a note from Villa actually. It was quite a weird one. A couple of things that came out that I noticed was um, so firstly Villa mentioned that the basically the 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 consultation group, the supporters consultation group, is not is not representative of the Villa fan base. So I think there's only one female that comes to the groups, and there's only and there's no one under twenty one that goes to groups as well. So I think Villa requested that the more people from across the fan base that represents the wider yeah. fan base come. So I think that was quite a good point. And then someone, I don't know who was, asked uh, the Villa hierarchy. I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure who was answering the questions because sometimes it's Perslo, sometimes it's someone else. Um, uh, asked why Villa, why Villa uh, Twitter wished Gareth Southgate a happy birthday when he's so disliked by fans, which I thought was a very weird question to ask. And... Uh, uh, the Villa response was, are you seriously asking us why the the manager of our national team who played 191 games for us was wished happy birthday by yeah. a media team? 
uh, which I thought Bonkers, was that's ridiculous. Pretty much the right yeah, response. Ridiculous. Really, really. I think a lot of the animosity for Gareth Southgate, unfortunately, came with the the coinciding issues around Jack. You know what I mean? I think that's where it came from. You know, when Jack was 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 Villa and going nowhere. You know, and Southgate wasn't picking him. Every Villa fan had a problem with Southgate, but I think that'll pass. I think they'll get all over that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope he does anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I whatever you think of Southgate, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Sam. Well, I know, I agree. I, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think you, you're right, uh, Aaron. You know, that we in the summer we we uh, we spoke at length about you know our kind of um, suspicions about Southgate and his view on Jack, which we didn't probably think was uh, very quite right at the time. But as you say, he's played nearly 200 games for the club, and ultimately, if you go through all of the players that have played that level of games for the club, some fans will think they're great. Other fans might think they're a bit overrated. The idea that one person gets to say, actually, Villa fans think this about Southgate, well, who's the spokesman? Who's the, who's the person that decides what we all think about Southgate? You know, it, it's The ridiculous. community spokesman. <laughs> yeah. It's always one, isn't it? Always one. Uh, but yeah, that, that, so that, yeah, like I said, have a read of that. Nothing, nothing really that interesting came out, to be honest, apart from those couple of bits were quite, were quite funny, I thought. Uh, and also, uh, they said that they want to they want the consultation group to be the first to hear about the the stadium expansion plans before they actually put the proposals to the council so that's the plan which will be interesting to, see, to hear that so i think that's a good move um but apart from that um there was there was a mixed bag really i think that that was a good response by villa and southgate uh, but there was also stuff that were genuine concerns which i think are warranted which they sort of batted off which i didn't think they were answered very well but again look for yourself um other news man united FA Cup fixture confirmed for a Monday night, uh, unfortunately for Villa travelling fans. So there's going to be 10,000 Villa fans travelling on the on the M6 on a Monday night, which is not going to be fun in the beginning of January. But it is what it is. That's what the FA Cups will become. I don't know what you guys think, but yeah, I just think all games should be on the weekend. I understand they've got to do it for TV revenue and all that kind of stuff, but it's just... Uh, Bit of a nonsense. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just a bit odd, isn't it? You know, and and what what a kickoff time. Yeah, seven fifty-five. Yes, yeah, weird, isn't it? Right. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know who comes up with these with these plans and comes up with these final details. I really don't. Um, but it is what it is. You know, we've just got to go there and and do our thing and and do the best we can. You know, I'm, <laughs> you can let these things affect you, whatever it is. But you know, we take who we can take and we and we give it everything we've got. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that mentality. And, and obviously, we had the. Um, the fixture issue as well with the uh, with the league game as well, which we ended up winning. So with obviously was it who was I can't remember who the band was. It the Cortinas was it or was it them? I can't remember now. Uh, or was it no no? It wasn't the Cortinas. It was, uh, it was Foo Fighters. Was it Foo Fighters? I can't I can't generally can't remember. Uh, but yeah, so I, that's, I think, that's that. I think it's funny, isn't it? Because if you look at the um, the reaction to uh, our social media kind of welcoming Jack back, I think I think that's a, a you know it's. Some people liked it, some people didn't. I think that whenever the club tries to do anything on social media, like welcome back Gareth, welcome back Jack, some people will like it, some people won't. I think the club are never going to do anything on social media that every fan likes, that every fan agrees with. So what should they do? Like never say anything? It's it's a tough one for for the club. Well, even when they do like uh, happy Diwali or happy Hanukkah or whatever it is. People, yeah. there's oh. people going crazy about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I know. Happy Women's Day. Day. Oh, what? Where's oh, yeah. Men's Day? Oh. You know, it's just stuff. You'll get, you'll get that. You'll get. Oh. It'll be like the most harmless now. thing ever. Yeah. 
happy yeah, fifth yeah. birthday this fan what about what about why aren't you wishing my kid a happy birthday you know it would just be rubbish like that oh, or, it'll be like that all that the time Gabor Kirali's birthday was not marked by the uh, social media <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you someone said that I bet you someone tweeted that god I miss I miss Kirali the divine track two bottoms uh, <laughs> they would sell it what do you reckon they'd go for a fair amount at auction I, right? I, I would buy them reckon. I reckon they would I would buy them definitely. <laughs> I'd wear them, I think. Yeah. I'd buy the ones that were, you know, when he was in goal when Skulls hit that hit that volley. Oh. That, they're the ones I would buy. Oh, you don't save those. You don't save those. Save those. No, you don't. <laughs> and uh, finishing on a good on a finishing on a good note. Um, uh, so a good story. We had a few bad stories there, but a good story. Obviously, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a story about some heroic Aston Villa fans who delivered uh, life-saving CPR oh, after yeah, Leicester game. That. Did you guys hear about this? Saw that. Yeah, it's great. You know, really great story. Um, so this was after the uh, the after the Leicester game. Some Villa fans, Keith Draper, Joe Tilly, and Jamie Canning, as they were leaving Villa Park, noticed a man slumped over his steering wheel, and they took turns to perform CPR while waiting for the ambulance to arrive. And uh, he didn't have a pulse uh, at all, apparently. Uh, but uh, he got back to hospital, and apparently he's in he's in good spirits now, and, he, and he's doing good. well. So uh, amazing news, really, and not a really nice good news story. To, to end the week uh, so yeah some good good stuff there and uh, it was on Birmingham Mail already as well there was hardly any ads on there as well which is a first and no no clickbait headline it was it was, pure, it was simple to the point heroic Aston Villa fans deliver life saving CPR after Leicester game that's the most normal headline I've ever read on the yeah, Birmingham Mail yeah I'm surprised it wasn't something like uh, man slumped over sli- steering wheel <laughs> find out what happens next or something like that yeah. that's more there. Yeah, you exactly. never believe what these yeah. fans did yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was AJ by the way he's back he's back on. On his, you're back on your laptop yeah. I am yeah yeah yeah. how are you mate anyway I'm alright actually mate I'm good um, I normally have Mondays off as I've mentioned on the pod pretty much every week uh, but I work this Monday uh, so I'm off tomorrow instead so I've got a, got a four day weekend Lovely. Lovely. Bad, bad news is I was supposed to be breaking up um, tomorrow, uh, but I am going to have to work a couple of days next week. So it's not. It's well, not you'll be at home, though, won't you? So, you'll be home. So you're back at work next week, are you, mate? I am, yeah. Yeah, you're not. Oh, it's, just I'm not it's just I'm not back till the 4th of Jan, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Bloody, okay. bloody teachers. <laughs> I mean, prison wardens, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had my uh, I had my Christmas party yesterday and we were all out and we just saw the announcement of working from home so we uh, we made the most of it yesterday. Oh, Definitely. very nice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, went to the old flight club. You ever been there? No, in in Birmingham. Yeah, it's good, really good. Uh, but we're, this was uh, so I'm I'm uh, aligned to two teams. So this was the London team that I went down. Oh, right. down Does that mean London. you get two parties, mate? I mean, probably not this you know, year, I, but I usually. Te- I, but I have technically got a, ne- a party next week on Friday, which I'm not sure if it's going ahead. And guess where we're going yeah. for that? Flight club, oh, in Birmingham. What in Hol- Is it in Hoban the one in London? No, we went to the one in near Moorgate. Moorgate, where yeah, it's not far from Shoreditch. Yeah, mm. uh, but it was great. It was great. I don't know if everyone, everyone's, anyone's ever been, but I'd highly recommend it. Well, I'm going to Dishoom for mine in Birmingham. We are also going to Dishoom. So Dishoom first, and then flight club. No, okay. Bring a few. Yeah, okay. Just but bring a few darts to Dishoom. We we won't be going on anywhere. That's not really our vibe. Uh, no. We'll have we'll have a nice uh, long lunch at the Shoom and then you know we'll all. We'll go. Uh, to be fair, my boss is going on a gin train or something afterwards, but unrelated. What's, not a, all. what's a gin train? Uh, well, it's a train that you drink gin on. I think. Can you just do that on any train? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's <laughs> a more upmarket train. Yeah, 
train right. and uh, and gin selection. I don't think she's just having like a Gordon's premix on the <laughs> on, yeah, exactly. on the train <laughs> on, on the, the train on, back on to Chelton. Chil- on the Chilton, the Chilton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, mine's in mine's in London this year. Oh, nice. What are you doing? Um, off to ten down the street. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. There it is. Very good. Yeah. Is it a party or not? Is it a party or not? Though. That's the uh, it's it's just they're just calling it BJ's. Uh, so okay. I don't really know what's going <laughs> just on. Just a gathering. Just a gathering. Mate. Did, yeah, they, they, said, they said cheese and wine was available, but I'm not too sure <laughs> whether I fancy cheese and wine. But uh, I love that cheese and wine has been the one that's sort of taking everything everything over the edge. Like it was not nothing else. Like not, none of the stuff that's no happened biscuits, in the last no few years. Crackers, it's nothing. just the cheese and wine. But did anyone see the the guy outside Parliament today? Yeah, uh, with the, oh, yeah. playing the Beastie Play, Boys. Playing the Beastie Boys. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> right to party. That was brilliant. I thought that was great. Uh, very good. Anyway, good let's should we move on. Uh, as yeah, soon as AJ good. comes on, we uh, digress, and it? it's always away. Oh, little uh, bit of politics. <laughs> Shall we uh, move on to hero and villain of the week? So uh, this week, obviously, Carl's not in. He's uh, out seeing who's he? How's he seeing? Which band is he out? I can't remember now. Shed anyway, Seven. Some, Shed out, Seven. He's out it. chasing Shed rainbows. Seven. One could say chasing rainbows. Right. Yes, yeah. good, good pun. Nice. Uh, but he has he has texted in his hero and villain of the week. So we'll discuss that. I should so I should probably with... mention on his behalf. I don't think he even really likes Shed Seven, uh, and he's probably but he did support yeah. them. As in his He'd youth, probably be as a singer. No, did he or did they support him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He, he, he. His band supported Shed Seven. Yeah, back okay. in the day. I think maybe it was editors. Pick. Maybe it was editors that supported him. There's, there's somebody. I'm sure he'll tell us next week. I think it was editors. <laughs> he won't. He won't editors. hesitate. He was. He was big time. Carl was big time. Still is big time. In the podcast world, anyway. Um, so, hero of the week this week. He do, he did he did think about giving it to Canberra again, but he has to go to one man, and that is Ezri Konza this week, after a excellent performance, uh, the faintest of touches for his first goal, and then an excellent back post header to 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 win the game and see off Leicester City. I will. I will say. I felt he was a little bit at fault for their goal. I thought he was just half a yard, half a yard. Not. T- I know. I get it because Barnes has got a lot of pace, so you don't want to get too tight to him, especially in the box. But I did think he was just half a yard too slow coming across uh, to to deal with that. Um, but he still scored twice and won us the game. So um, I don't. I don't think we'll. Uh, We'll take away hero of the week for that, but as usual, you know, I like to I like to put a dampener on things, don't I? I had quizzes at school today, and for a bonus point, I was doing a music round, and I had Wham last Christmas, right? And I said for a bonus point, this year to save us from tears, who am I giving my heart to? Ezri Conter. Give it to Ezri Conter, Conter, yeah, and a few of them got it actually. It's a great. I hope that chant. I hope that chant gets massive mileage. That's like, I like that. I like that. But yeah, I mean, that was weird, the goal. I don't know what you guys thought. It was sort of, we were in their half. Uh, I think it's Luis tries to play into Buendia. And it's oh, sort of Buendia gets lost the ball. Suddenly what he he does, doesn't he? He's done it a few times. but uh, And then suddenly there are two on two. Um, yeah. Wasn't sure if our position was again. Finish, a bit like, like Man City in. goal. It was a great, it was a great finish, yeah. Uh, and and Daka did well in the build-up as well, didn't he? Although he was a little bit fortunate to sort of ride those two 
two challenges. Uh, yeah, because Nakamba, Nakamba nearly won it, didn't he? And he just got a little bit lucky. But yeah, I mean, was it Cash? No... Was it Cash as well? As two yeah, of them yeah, but it, it was no less than he deserved because he was absolutely running us ragged for the first half an hour, wasn't he? He was fantastic. Yeah. In, in fairness, yeah, to Barnes. Him. Barnes was my man of the match for them. To be fair, yeah, he was. He was outstanding. Between Barnes and Dakar, they were excellent. It was a very weird game, wasn't it, uh, Aaron? That first half, Leicester, I mean, they, they created quite a few chances, quite a few openings, got in some good positions, but then completely disappeared second half. Didn't even come out of the yeah, blocks yeah. at all. I, th- I think I think when Gerard first came in, he described this these these moments in the games, these periods where we would just have to suffer, and I think that was what that was what we were doing that first half. You know, we were suffering. Leicester came in strong; they were really good. I didn't really see where we were going to get into that game at all. Um, but yeah, second half we came out the blocks, and that's that's been a regular occurrence under Gerard. You know, we go in at half time, and, and we seem to come out firing after half time. And something's been said in the changing rooms, and, and we kind of switch on the switch. So uh, yeah, it was great. It was a it was a great game, um, and a really good another really good team for us to beat. You know, because that that's that's the standard we need to be beating. That that's the that's the equivalent that we have to be competing against regularly and and winning games, and and we did again. So um, yeah, I'm I'm chuffed to bits, mate. But it it was a funny game, a tale of two halves. But um, you know, we're still seeing the little patches of 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 old. But I think slowly but surely it's starting to iron out um, because we are we are a different gravy under Stevie G. You know, the intensity is 100 times better than it ever was. And we're actually playing zero to 90 minutes at the minute. You know, we're not just playing for 40 minutes and then and then sacking it all off. We seem to be giving it everything, even if it's not good enough, <laughs> you know, 90 all the way through to 90 minutes. So, um, yeah, please, please to see how we're doing really, mate. I think um, I think you're right about the, the second half change and actually... It was very uh, nicely symmetrical, which I enjoyed when I look at the stats. In the sense, that in the first half they had eight attempts and we had four, and in the second half we had eight attempts and they and they had four. I think ours were of a better quality, and obviously in the Ramsey goal wouldn't be included in that because it basically gets chalked off as an attempt as soon as it's a free kick. So you know, a little bit uh, of a of a skew there, but quite a clear game of game of two halves uh, in the sense that they dominated the first and, and we dominated the the second. Um, but I will say there have been a couple of occasions where we have had to turn it around at half-time. Um, I think Palace was probably the other one. We didn't play well in the first half there. Um, so, yeah, you know, it would be churlish to criticise Gerard at this at this stage given the um, the, the turnaround in performances and results. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, it's something to watch out for. Uh it could we could have been in a much more difficult position after that first half performance if Leicester had uh, capitalised a little bit better than yes. they than yeah. they did. Um, so uh, you know it seems like he's doing a great job at turning things around and motivating them at half time. And one of the criticisms we often had of Smith on the um, pod was his inability to change things during the game. Obviously, you can see Gerard can can do that and has done that. But it is a little bit of a not a worry. It's too you know it's too early. But if if we keep having this issue where we don't quite get going in the first half. Um, uh, yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on, I guess, that's all. Yeah, it's I mean, Gerard did mention that. Sorry, didn't... sorry, sorry, Emma. Cool. No, so I was going to come to you in a second, actually, Simon. I was going to say, Gerard did mention that in the, uh, in the post-match interview. He mentioned about players not fully committing or not fully understanding, grasping what they're trying to do. Uh, and he was f- fairly critical of the first half and saying we've still got a lot of work to do on the training ground. So I think he fully appreciates that. What did you make of, of those sort of comments that, that came out after the match? Yeah, I mean, 
I thought that even in the first half an hour, like I said, I thought Dakar was great. I thought Barnes was great. I thought we'd lost the midfield battle. They, they were pouring forward. But what I will say is, and this is very unscientific, and I'm sure that, uh, you know... Oh, he's disappeared. <laughs> so so annoyed at losing his train of thought there that he's just completely uh, bailed out altogether. Uh, shall I do a little... Um, I've got a few uh, little tidbits on uh, Leicester before we go on to the, vill- the villain, shall I? So it's the first yeah. game... Um, we've mentioned a, a couple of times the fact that we haven't had an XG of over two... Uh, for a long time but we finally did yay so it was the first finally. XG over two since uh, the Spurs game at the end of last season I think they are penalty really, game last season wow. so um, uh, yeah it was also very pleasing from a stats point of view in the sense that it ended up 2-1 and the XG was like 2.06 versus 0.94 or something so almost perfect almost uh, that, was like, that must have been heaven for you AJ almost that, bang on yeah the stats nerds Beautiful to see, especially after there was a little bit of uh, a little bit of questioning of the um, XG uh, statistic on the pod uh, by Carl, by Carl, not yeah. by anyone else. Just also, bear in mind that again, that XG uh, figure won't include the Ramsey goal, which, given where it was, would have been a very uh, high XG. Um, few players to pick out: John McGinn, brilliant again. Um, Outstanding, sensational performance. Yep. Um, one of the things we talked about with McGinn on the pod in the past is his what for a midfielder, a central midfielder, he's generally uh, in his Villa career had quite a low pass completion rate, more like seventy five percent a lot of the time, and we've kind of forgiven him that often because of the way he plays risky passes. He's you know trying to play it forward, but. but I think in this new system, he's showing that part of that was how he was being asked to play and not that it's the only way that he has the ability to play. Uh, And he had a 90% pass completion rate, three key passes, 10 passes into the final third of the pitch, which was when Dia was second on that, but with half of that figure, only five. Um, And the most progressive progressive passing uh, in the team as well, 350 (laughs) 350 yards, thanks, Sam. Um, And... (laughs) Uh, the other one again, Nakamba, excellent. Uh, again, another one with 90% pass completion rate. And the other thing I'd say about Nakamba is uh, even in the past where we said, yeah, yeah, he's tidy, he's not as bad on the ball as people say and stuff, we've tended to say, oh, yeah, but he's moving it sideways or backwards. Um, he was second amongst outfield players in terms of uh, progressive passing with 250 yards. Um, so a bit of a way behind McGinn, but still second. So it's not just that he's passing the ball uh, and completing a lot of passes. Um, he's also progressing the ball forward, which I think was one of the concerns about him. So just let yet again another example of him being uh, a completely transformed player. And we, yeah, we, I, I, I agree. Go on. No, I agree what you're saying. It's a good point. I was just going to say about Nakamba in the Leicester game, definitely noticed that he was the kind of finishing article on all of those triads of passes. So those three men passes, quick passing. He was always the man on the end of the ball to, to pass it forward rather than sideways or backwards. I noticed that quite a lot against Leicester. So that's a really good point that you've made. That was definitely the case for me. I, I saw that as well. You know, he was passing forward way more than often than not. Yeah, and the stats reflect that. And uh, yeah, we... Um uh, we, were, we were saying on the on the WhatsApp chat earlier, I mean, that it seems like there's been some deal done with the Zimbabwe um, FA where he doesn't have to go to AFCON for all of the um, training camps in beforehand and stuff. And that's potentially going to mean he's with us for an extra two games. And, uh, and Carl sort of said, like, imagine us even 
<laughs> caring about that three months ago. Like, I mean, maybe like because of injuries and he's our main backup and stuff, but he's suddenly become such a key player in the side that actually the fact that we will have him for, I think the games uh, were Chelsea, Brentford, um, one other that I don't remember, uh, but all games where you, you would want him in the side um, because he's going to go, He's we've agreed he can go to AFCON a bit. How, how a many bit does later. he miss? Do we know? Do we know how many he misses? Depends on obviously how they do. Uh, yeah, it depends how far they get. I don't imagine they're going to get that that far. No, they're not. They're not typically Afcon. Afcon. Um, Stalwarts. You know, successful yeah, are yeah. they? No. No, but I don't. I don't know. But few. But fewer than we were expecting him to miss. So that's that's positive. Yeah, that's good. Is Bertrand Traoré? Is he? Is he? Is he also going? Yeah, he's going out with Burkina Faso, isn't he? Yeah. But again, they're not a team that seem to get through group stages. Really, they'll probably be injured anyway. Torre, to be honest, it just doesn't seem yeah. to. Be I really good. hope to see him back, though. I just really like on that note, yeah. I really do hope to see him back. I'd love to see the Maverick getting some game time again. Yeah. Uh, and another, another great stat uh, from the Leicester game, um, which I know has been doing the rounds a little bit on Twitter as well, so people might already be familiar with it. But I said to you guys uh, after the game, I, I literally don't remember. Like you're always terrified when Vardy comes on, aren't you? And I was like, I literally don't remember him touching the ball once. So I went and checked, and he had one touch. Uh, nice. One single, unheard of against touch. Villa, isn't it? Unheard yeah. Of, that so, um, so yeah, uh, that is quite. quite was it pleasing. a kickoff? <laughs> I don't know. It was he on after before we scored? No, I don't think he I was. I think he came on after we scored. It was shades of Agbon Lahore against Tottenham that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did you see the Matty Cash stat as well? I don't know if you saw that. So you had ten successful ten successful tackles, which is the most by any single player in the Premier League this season. Right. Uh, uh, which was a great start. Just a shame he couldn't manage to cross the ball properly, which is uh, it yeah, it's becoming yeah, a really big problem for yeah. him. Yeah, it is a big problem, mate. Well, yeah, I've, it is. yeah, there was a great piece in the analyst, which we'll I think we'll talk about uh, a bit later. That was sort of summing up the differences under Gerard and uh, Smith, and there's a good there's a good uh, crossing stat in there. So stick around for that if you like. Stick around, stick around, indeed. Stay tuned. Uh, uh, Aaron, what have you made of the of the fullbacks, uh, Matty Cash and, and Target, in this this formation that we're playing, this system that we're playing under Gerard, where they're being asked to to do a lot more, we'll get, get further up the pitch a lot more than they did under Dino. Yep, yep. Um, I, th- I think the the formation that we're playing and the way Stevie G wants to play suits Matty and suits Cash. Um, I think it's suiting Cash more at the moment. Um, just because Matty Target seemed to have a bit of a stompy start to the season. I still think he's starting to find his feet again and, and appreciate and be self-aware a bit more. Um, but they're both very good fullbacks, and I think they will continue to progress under Stevie G in this in the way that we're playing. Um, Stevie G loves those wing, loves those flanks, doesn't he? He loves, he loves those down the channels. So um, for players like Cash and Matty who want to get forward, who want to get into that final third, who want to try and get on goal as often as possible and get those balls into the box, I think I think it will work, and I think it is working. Um, sometimes I feel like Matty Target just isn't quite enough. I never quite feel that way with Matty Cash. I always feel like he is the answer and, and we're doing all right with him. But there are moments where I feel like Target isn't. Um, I don't know why that might be. Maybe confidence issues. I don't know. Um, so I expect perhaps some competition to come in to just give him a little bit of a boot up the bum and kind of just, you know, keep him on his toes a little bit more in January. Um, but for me, that you know, they're both they're both good good fullbacks and they will continue to get better and better um, and it's nice to see Stevie G giving them the reins to, to to bomb forward because we've seen what Matty Cash can do you know he was a he's a gifted gifted fullback but he's also got experience of playing in that middle of the park and wing as well so he knows what he's doing up that top 
Um, you know, his cutting in and, and booting in from, from left foot is, is, is extraordinary. So, um, yeah, no issues for me, mate. I'm quite happy to see the way it's playing, really. Yeah. Oh, obviously, Target was missing on uh, against Leicester. Uh, I'm not sure what his injury situation is, whether he'll be back uh, for Liverpool or not. It was just concussion, yeah. wasn't it, or something? Yeah, it must have been, I think. Uh, it certainly looked like it anyway. But uh, actually, Young again. But Young was outstanding. You know, if, yeah. if Matty Target's not there, Young was Young was one of the best players on the part for me, yeah. for Villa. Yeah. Against Leicester, he's doing, he's doing um, well under Gerard, isn't he? In particular, yeah. I think. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah, he loves yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, and uh, well, let's move on to the rest of the game. Uh, and in order to do that, we've got to do villain of the week, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to stand in on this one. I can't promise to be quite as uh, emotional about it as uh, as Carl usually is. But um, uh, can you do it in his accent, though, please? <laughs> no, I, I won't. I don't mind. People tune uh, tu- in just for his accent. I think. I think yeah, I don't. My, my... I don't mind doing you know the odd Scouse accent and stuff like that. But I'm not. I'm not going to do a Birmingham one. Um, <laughs> so my my villain, a, a strong nomination was Casper Schmeichel. But I actually thought, to be fair to Casper Schmeichel, he is a knob. That goes without saying. Um, but uh, what what do you expect a keeper to do in that in that situation? You know, he probably played up the injury a little bit, but. Other than that, it's not it's not his fault the way the decision the way the decision went, and I actually thought and I said this to you guys as soon as I saw the replay. I said in the chat this will get overturned uh, because I my understanding of the law at the time was that he had the ball one hand on it between him and the ground that counts as being under control. But my villain of the week is whichever illiterate bastard wrote Law Twelve. Uh, it, yeah, because yeah. it is so badly written, so you'll all have seen it on Match of the Day and that. But I'll read it out again, just for uh, just 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 so people know what we're talking about. Here we go. A goalkeeper is considered to be in control of the ball with the hands when the ball is between the hands or between the hand and any surface, e.g., ground or own body. That was the bit of the law that I knew, and so I thought, okay, that you know that is going to count you're, as it being. You're the, one control. of the only people that knew that law, by the way, because I think that even even people on the bench were like, isn't it two hands? Isn't it two no, hands? Well, it hasn't sort been two of. hands for a long, long time. Yeah, I know, and, I know, I know. Yeah, I get we'll that. Come, I'm we'll come, lot, even we'll, people, even people in football didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Was, and we'll come, we'll come back to how long that uh, that the law's been in, in place momentarily, because because uh, I've been on a ref. I've been on a referees forum, lads. I've been I've been digging deep for this <laughs> one. That's, that's uh, commitment. Jesus. That is commitment, mate. So, e- e.g., ground or own body. So, fine. That sounds good. That sounds sounds great. But the rest of it then goes: no break, no full stop, no nothing, uh, or by touching it with any part of the hands or arms, except if the ball rebounds from the goalkeeper or the goalkeeper has made a save. And that is the bit that just creates a huge amount of conclusion, uh, confusion. Now, my my view of what they are trying to say there is because they have said um, if it touches any part of the hands or the arms, that says as soon as you've touched it, you've got it under control. But obviously, in the context of you've touched it with your hands or arms to make a save and then it rebounds out, obviously that is not under control. And that is what I think they are trying to say. But because it's so poorly written and so poorly punctuated actually that except reads as though it could just as easily refer to the first bit about you've made a save and then you've put your hand on top of it that no longer qualifies as being under control and there's just a a lack of clarity there and it just you know creates all this confusion even when you're reading the law and studying it and here's what they said on ref chat and this was in uh, 2016 by the way Uh, a a gentleman called sm who describes himself as the avuncular one um, has <laughs> quoted that exact law, that exact law, and he says, 
what the hell does this paragraph mean? And that's a referee asking that, that question. Now, he's probably a Sunday League referee or whatever. I assume the refs get better clarity in the Premier League and all of that. But the referees don't know what it means. And then your man, Cap'n Bloodbeard, uh, who is a ref chat addict, so an, an experienced it's Mike uh, Dean. It's Mike Dean, that ref, is. Chat, yeah, ref chat Dean. poster, he says, wow, I don't think I could word the law this badly if I was trying. So if the keeper picks up a loose ball, but he can't be challenged, but if he's holding it after saving a shot, he can hold on to it for as long as he likes, and you can kick it out of his hands. I think, and this is what I've just said basically, they're trying to clarify that the keeper bouncing the ball is in his control, but the ball bouncing on the ground after the keeper saves it is not in his control. That's my best guess, but only because I can't figure out what else they're trying to say. So, you know... These are these are referees having a chat about this because they don't understand it, and they're having that chat five years ago, and nobody's thought to go, "Hang on, maybe we should have a look at this and update this law to provide some clarity." So for me, like I think the interpretation of the law was probably right, uh, and I think you you know uh, it's unfortunate, and it was a fraction of a second. I think they said it was a twelfth of a second that he had his hand on it or whatever. So very unfortunate that Ramsey didn't quite get there beforehand, and very unlucky for Ramsey. Uh, and yes, uh, Schmeichel overplayed it, but that law is just an absolute, an absolute state, uh, and sh- somebody, somebody needs to edit it. And again, it's a bit like um, uh, last was it last season or the season before? I'm losing track with all the COVID stuff. Um, where Man City scored an offside goal against us, and they said, "Yeah, it was fine." The law says it's fine, and then they changed the law because it wasn't fine. Yeah, Th- that's this. Except that I think the decision probably was right. But it's very hard to know that the decision was right because the law is so poorly written. So, villain of the week yeah. is whichever shithouse wrote that law um, who had, because they have a very poor grasp of the English language. Very good Speaking reflection, AJ. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Speaking of shithouses, if, if Emmy Martinez didn't pretend to be injured in the same scenario and shithouse like uh, Schmeichel did... I'd be very disappointed because he's the king of shit. Out. He did it. He did it. Palestine. Emmy Martinez. If, I don't know if you remember if that. If it was the other way around, I'd expect Martinez to go down like he'd been shot. I've had that under control for one twenty-fifth of a second, lads, and it's uh, and I'm really injured. Like and that and and we'd all be going Martinez. That's what he does. He's he's Villa's top shit house. So I don't really criticise Schmeichel, and I think you're right there, AJ, not to give him Villain of the Week. It is the just pathetic law, isn't it? I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't mind the crowd giving him shit during the game because that's all just yeah, that's sure, part of the fun. Sure. That's part of the fun, isn't it? And I'd have certainly joined in if yeah. I was there. Uh but you know, he didn't he didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't because he pretended his hand was hurt that the goal was disallowed. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh the referees were always gonna make that decision once they saw that replay. Yeah, I, I think I think that Aaron. I don't know what you think, but I thought that buoyed us on in the second half because we just came out firing uh, in the second half, and and for most of the game, uh, it, even towards the end when Leicester had more of the possession, probably from the seventy fifth minute onwards, we still looked very very dangerous. And probably, you know, I suppose the criticism maybe I don't know what you think. Probably should have scored more than just the one goal in the second half. Yeah, perhaps we should. Um, but I think we need, just need to take what we're getting at the minute. You know, um, I think what we're seeing as well, which is changing our second half, 
stints towards the end of second halves is, is the players that are coming on now um, have a have a role and and are making a difference to the team. Um, I felt very much under Dino that subs were coming on, not making much of an impact, or they were just being bought on for sakes purposes. Whereas now, you know, you got the likes of Sanson coming on, tidying up that midfield. You got the likes of Chooks coming on to hold the ball and progress forward. Um, for me, that's a that's a different kettle of fish to playing with. And um, yes, we did struggle, not struggle, maybe too too harsh, but we did we did suffer a little bit in that last fifteen minutes. Um, but we held it together, and I think that's the difference, isn't it? You know, that's that's what I'm pleased to see. It's it's nice to see us not just throwing in the towel after seventy five minutes because we're knackered. You know, we're we're playing right until that final whistle, and it doesn't matter how much time we have got left. We're playing we're playing the best that we can play and, and get. In a result, and that for me is the difference. It, you know, if we, were, if I was being really pin picky and trying to, you know, really point pinpoint down on what it is that I think is the difference, it is exactly that. It's the intensity and it's the commitment for the whole entire of the game. You know, and the man management, the, the game management involved is is changing the way that we're able to play. Every player I feel now feels like they know what they're doing. They're given a list of five or six things to do doing them very, very well, and that's working for everybody. Um, whereas before, that wasn't the case. You know, I think players were a bit wishy-washy, a bit a bit lovey-dovey, a bit sensitive with stuff, and it just wasn't working. So, um, yeah, you can't can't fault it, mate, at the minute. You know, we're going to make mistakes. We've got a little bit of development to do. There's things that we need to be better at, um, and we need to give Gerard time to make those things happen. But, you know, so far, so good. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think the level of discipline, I think, which is what you're alluding to, is is the key, the roles, everyone, like, yeah. even like yeah. people like McGinn, Ming, you know, Ming's not doing silly passes or silly turns on the edge of his box. McGee's not making wayward passes, trying Hollywood passes. He's trying to make the right pass at the right time, as sort of AJ has talked about already. Um, and you know, those sub, those subs as well. I think uh, you know he's you know the, the, the amount of times we've made three subs now, um, and and not you know the third sub not coming on the ninety fifth minute. He's coming on like the eightieth minute. Uh, yeah, which is uh, which is, is a risk at some time. It's the nature of the subs as well, like bringing Twan yeah. on and, at the end of the game and, and and you know going to going to a three at the back and um, I, I think under under Smith there were kind of two types of subs that Smith would make. It was either a straightforward like for like where you know you'd get Triore coming on for Trezeguet or or whatever for for example's sake. Uh, or you'd get the situation where, where we're chasing a game and he'd just be throwing attacking players on without any without much of a plan there, you know, like you know you'd end you'd end up with four strikers or well not we never had four strikers, but you know, four forward players and then no one to actually get the ball into them and uh it, it feels like there's more um well, the whole the whole change is about the structure, isn't it? And it feels like the subs the substitutions are to do with adjusting the structure, adjusting the balance uh, in a way that makes sense for the for the the stage of the game uh, and the position of the the match that we're that we're in. Yeah, and I think I think for me, the, you know, a lot of games and and the key the key aspect to any good side in the Premier League is how things are played in the middle of the park, what it looks like in the middle, you know, that cohesive glue between the back and the front, and under Smith. That was always my area of worry. That was always my area of concern. Middle of the park, looking a bit mishmash, looking a bit unsure, uncertain, uneducated about their roles or what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. But, you know, I think for me, now it looks like the most solid part of our game. You know, that middle three.
three that we're playing with, regardless of who it is, um, look like they know what they're doing. They know their roles. They look solid. I was on a Liverpool podcast last night with some of the Liverpool boys, and um, you know they were saying that you know they've seen in Villa because they've obviously followed Villa with Stevie G being with us now. Um, you know they've said that 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 for them is is the most frightening part of us playing them on Saturday. You know them the our midfield against theirs, and they, they can't see a better midfield of three at the minute at any other club, and that was quite big coming from Liverpool fans, you know. So there's clearly a, a massive change for us in that middle, um, and with Ramsey and Sanson, all 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 quality able to bring into that side you know for me that is a big change and and it's so good to see because we did didn't we we spent 18 months two years never being quite confident or sure of how things were ever going to look in the middle you know we always cried out for that extra defensive midfielder we needed a bit more beef in there we needed a bit more structure what was going on why is it like this why is it playing like this but I feel for me that's been the last thing on my mind since Stevie G's come in. Midfields look solid, and that's and that's been a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, I've noticed a lot. Of, well, a few a few of Liverpool mates of mine uh, have said the same thing, especially about McGinn. They seem to love McGinn. Um, they do. That's my, that's my daughter coughing. Uh, yeah, they seem to love McGinn. They love. They love. They they all say, oh, I think Stevie G's gonna absolutely love him. He's, he's just his type of player. And they, they kept saying, oh, they'd love to. They could see Liverpool signing him. He's the type of player they need. Which uh, I'm not sure if he's at that level or not, but anyway, but he, um, that shows you obviously they're performing well. But let, let's move on. Obviously, we've we've talked enough about the the Leicester game, which was obviously an ex- excellent victory. Uh, but time to move on to uh... vital statistics, ladies. Yeah! So AJ, uh, should we talk about the the analyst article first, and then sort of move on to the Liverpool game, which. Yeah, okay, uh, let's, let's do that. We actually, I mean, there was actually an, an article in the analyst that we mentioned last week. So the analyst is the, um, it was based on Opta statistics um, and uh, they just dig a little bit deeper and uh, uh, into things. And they had, a, they had a quite short article a week or so ago that we did touch on last week comparing uh, Gerard's um, Villa to um, Dean Smith's Villa. But they've done, a, they've done a fuller piece this week and I'd really recommend you, you read it. But I'll... I'll call out some of the the key things um, for discussion. Some of which are things we've talked about on the pod already. Some of the things actually today, you know, some stats behind actually some of the, the things we've been talking about around structure and uh, and things like that. One thing I would one thing I would say um, is four games is still not a very big sample for the the Gerard era, but there's some very clear changes. Um, so um, I, I think you know it's enough there to show what he's what he's trying to do. But some of them, in particular, when you look at those four games within them, we've played Man City, who obviously dominate possession, territory, all of that sort of stuff, and we've played Leicester, who okay, they're not having a great season, but you know are one of the better clubs in the in the league at least on at least on paper. So the, the headline stuff, I think we all we all know. So we've talked about, yeah, we're very pleased we managed to hit two, two XG uh, against Leicester, but actually in general, we've uh, generated a little bit um, lower XG uh, under Gerard so far than we have under Smith. But none of us are criticising him for that because we know his priority was to improve us defensively. Um, and he's, he's done that hugely. So we're conceding fewer goals, um, but if you look at the XG against, um, that's almost almost half. So it's 0.8 uh, against Gerrard uh, on average across the four games, and it was 1.4 uh, this season uh, under under Smith. And we're also as part of that facing fewer shots. So it's not just that um, we're um, 
it's not just that we are giving away better uh, um, less good quality chances we're actually allowing fewer attempts on goal as well so uh, it's more like 11 shots on goal now per game whereas previously it was it was 15 and we'll talk in a moment a little bit about why um, that might be um, and one of the interesting things in the article that it talks about is the is the press but not just the fact that we're pressing more which we're doing a lot but also the the nature of the the press so if you look at our individual pressures so the number of times an individual player puts pressure on an opposition player that has gone up almost 40 percent so it was about 240 a game before and it's more like 330 a game uh now so that is a huge increase uh in the amount of uh pressing that we're doing uh, and team pressures are up uh, as well but i have to confess i don't know how they define team team pressures um but presumably it's something about pressing in a system and having multiple players pressing at once but they're up uh from uh 21 to to more like 28 if we continued at that rate of pressing for the entire season we would be the biggest pressers in the league. So for those four games, effectively, uh, if you extrapolate that across the, the season, we are now the team that presses most uh, in the league, which is a huge, is a huge transfer, is a huge um, transformation. But it's also where we're pressing that's really important, and that's that's related to this, you know, cutting down the number of shots and 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 stuff like that. So under Smith, we talked quite often on the pod about how. Um, we would press in the middle. Yeah, Watkins would lead with a press up front, but not with any kind of systemic press. It was just Watkins on his own chasing down defenders and trying to slow slow down their uh, their build up. We would then press in the middle of the the park a little bit, but our defence and our holding players were quite passive and would stand off to you know ensure that people weren't going to get in behind us basically. And you can see that in the data. So. Previously, we of our share of pressures, there would be 28% in our own defensive third, 49% in the middle, and 23% in the final third. That has now changed completely to 40, 46, and 14, respectively. So we're actually pressing much less in the high third of the pitch and pressing more when people come into our territory and particularly in the defensive third we're putting a lot more pressure on the ball and that's what's restricting the ability to of, of other teams um to have shots and i think there's this measure we've talked about uh, before in the pod passive per passes per defensive action so that's how many times you allow the opposition uh, to play the ball between one another before you intervene with a tackle or a pressure or, or whatever it might be. And that number has actually gone up. So we're actually allowing teams to play a little bit more, which seems counterintuitive when you say you're pressing more, but it's because we're pressing, we're pressing deeper. So all of the stuff that we've read in the press about um, Gerard trying to reduce the distances between the players, make us more compact, all of that sort of stuff. Obviously, if you press high then it's harder to do that because the players that are pressing are going to be further away from the from the players that are uh, defending. And that was often, the big spaces was often an issue that we talked about um, under Smith. So very clear change in the defensive structure and the shape of the team, much more pressing, but in a different area, um, a different area of the um, of the pitch then a couple of things that we talked about um, last time uh, as well so this idea of build up attacks so what are we doing with the ball when we've got it the defensive structure has changed but what are we doing it with it um, our build up attacks so that is um, sequences of 10 passes or more that end with a shot 
the number of those has almost doubled and the number of our direct attacks which is obviously when the ball goes uh, goes long and leads to a shot effectively have almost halved so there's a complete change you know we talked about before under smith that we were the most direct team in the league we've already started to see that that changing and, and i think that's the bit that's not working quite as well as you know the defensive stuff you've seen that impact I don't think we've quite seen the impact with the ball yet, but you've, we've seen it starting to come, and we've certainly certainly seen phases of play where that's where that's worked. Um, some of the playing out from the back has been a, a little bit a little bit terrifying. Uh, but I promised you a, 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 a stat on uh, crosses uh, as well. We are making far fewer crosses. We're also taking fewer shots, um, but they have been more accurate. So uh, people are making better decisions about when to recycle the ball and when to put it into the box and similarly they're making better decisions about when to shoot because we're making fewer shots but we've got a much higher shot conversion rate um, and um, they are better quality shots uh, in terms of even though our cumulative xg is not going up they're better quality shots individually in terms of xg as well so it's a really good article um, worth a read uh, beyond what i've just told you uh, there um, as well but I, i think it just really what we have seen and what we have described on the pod is very well uh, yeah, supported yeah, by the statistics in that article. Definitely. I mean, when I went to the Man City game, uh, that was the first game I saw Gerard's team live, like properly, without watching it on TV. And you could see the discipline, but all those things you talked about there, the way that we pressed at the right time uh, and not, you know, we sort of, we didn't, it wasn't like a automatic thing where we pressed every single time the the opposition had the ball we just made decisions at different times and the way that we played as well um that the point about the the passes the number of passes along the floor trying to build up play trying to play through the middle trying to use Boindia as the that number 10 player to play through the through through balls uh, and and obviously I think the sequences of passes as well I think there's been quite a few times where especially against Man City and Leicester where we could have done better with the final ball where we could have made that pass that better decision and that's what probably missing in that final third where we are getting in decent positions we are getting players in and around the box to to, to be threatened threatening to to the opposition but not quite getting that pass through or not quite like we saw Watkins miscontrol there and you saw Bailey against Man City for example do it a couple of times as well so I, I think it's quite it's quite refreshing actually to see an article that really clearly explains what you're seeing with your eyes um, and, and accurately reflects that and on Buendia as well, I think those two tens, that's the position probably that, that Gerard is thinking, we haven't quite got that working yet. They're obviously trying to play through Buendia. So he received the ball 36 times, uh, I think 42 attempts to pass it to him and 36 he actually received it, which was his highest as a Villa player so far and also was the highest of any player against against Leicester. So they're obviously trying to play through him. Um uh, but it's you know it's not quite you know again he, there's been in every game he's played pretty much there's been flashes where you've gone wow you know we we need more of that uh, no one else would have picked that pass no one else would have done that little turn uh, there was a, cl- a set of clips doing the rounds about how well he escaped pressure a number of times as well against uh, against Leicester but he's also he's still giving it away a lot and it hasn't quite it hasn't all quite clicked for him uh, yet but clearly they're trying to play through those two tens as the as the creative outlet and either because it's breaking down or because you know Bailey making poor decisions for example uh, in the previous game it hasn't quite come off yet but that that I think for me is the real area that we still need to we still need to improve um, 
if we're going to kick off. I think it will. I think it will with Emmy. I think we will get there with Emmy. I think it's a time thing. I think it's a confidence thing. I think he will. He will. He will be that player that we all need and all want him to be quite quickly. I think. Um, like you say, mate, we're, we're seeing signs of that. There's been moments, like you say, in the last few games where you've gone, Christ, wow, that there's there's your forty million pounds. You know, there there's your there's your big money. Um, not any other player on the field would have been able to have made that passing quite quite the way that he did. Um, so I think it will come. Bailey, for me, on the other hand, he he is he is the worry for me. I just can't see that boy ever getting a ever getting a, a role going at the moment. Um, he just looks lazy. His attitude looks lazy. But um, maybe that's just what we're seeing rather than what is. I don't know. Um, but for me, Emmy definitely the first choice in that role. He's got to be. He's got to be. We've got to make it work with him. And if it doesn't. It's uh, it's it's a it's a damn shame. I think um, with Buendia, there was that moment where he's on the touchline, the ball comes into him, he does that kind of roll around the back and that kind of back heel down the line. And you're thinking, wow, I've not seen anything like that for a long time, and it was just a level of ability that you know we just uh, outside of uh, Joe, you just haven't seen. Um, but you know he still lost the ball in some really really good positions. And, yeah, he is. And he, lo- yeah. and he lost the ball in the in there in the final third. And because of the way that we were building the attack, we were really exposed. And there were t- and it led to two occasions in the first half that by rights we should have conceded. Um, and that wasn't you know. And there's people on Twitter saying, oh yeah, but he's, it's because he's trying you know passes that are going to hurt the opposition. No, it was because he decided to, uh, well, on one occasion, it was because he didn't just, you know, recycle the ball. And on the other occasion, it was because he was just too weak to hold off the defender. And, you know, that's, you know, I can't, you can't blame him for not having the stature. But if if you know that you haven't got the stature, you lay the ball off before the challenge comes in, right? I don't know. And I, yeah, and I, and a, I think that one. as much one. as I rate him, I do rate yeah, him. Yeah. And I think he's improving. But you can't, you can't say, you know, you can't watch that match and say he's been excellent because you think, well, I think surely Steven Gerrard can say to him, you know, Emmy, you cannot lose the ball in those positions when we're, you know, when we're building an attack and the, and we're knackered on the transition if you lose it cheaply. Yeah. I think yeah. it, it looks to me like he's overthinking it uh, a little bit. And I think he's, I think that's happening less possibly, but it's still happening too much like as as you say there's a couple of options a couple of occasions in the Leicester game where um he could have just played it he could have just played a, a simple pass and he didn't and then he's run into trouble um and and that seems to happen a, a lot and it might just be still in championship mode and in the championship you know he do, he can run into trouble and still just skip through it or whatever but that's not going to happen at this level so it, it might be that he takes a little bit of time to just to to adjust but i, I guess in a way that's frustrating because one of the um arguments for signing him was that he's already got three years of experience in English football and it shouldn't take him any time any time to adjust um, so yeah I, I mean I, I agree that I think he will come good I've said that on the pods enough times his, his numbers historically are too good that he's not going to even in this season one season in the Premier League with Norwich his numbers were, was good enough that I, I can't see him not getting better and let's face it he, he could easily have had a goal although I think without that little cheeky touch it might have just hit the post um, so yeah. no, I think he goes in I but he, that, he yeah. should have three more assists he's made three unbelievable chances like Ings missed an absolute sitter that he he, he 
threaded him through with a sumptuous ball. You know, there's been there's Check been, we'll make up. at least yeah. three more assists. Yeah. Well, really I think those chances totaled about one. One and a half XG. So he, oh, enough with you, enough with your XG, mate. He, he, he XG. should have he yeah. should have at least one more, and arguably for what we spent on Ings, he should outperform XG a little bit. Yeah, anyway, that's it. So. If, if Ings is on the end of it, it's a high, It should be a higher XG. Yeah, than is on the end. Yeah. Of it, but so yeah. he, but he he's definitely been unfortunate on a couple of chances that he's created. Yeah, I agree. yeah, yeah. But three, three three extra assists might be a bit over the top. Yeah. Should we uh, should we move on to the uh, to the Liverpool game? Because uh, yes. I'm conscious we we got with time. Uh, we still got the Villa Vault left as well, uh, so let's let's quickly go through the Liverpool game. Um, difficult <laughs> game, although speaking to Liverpool fans, they're very worried about Saturday. Uh, uh, I'm not what, sure why. I don't know uh, why they've only lost once yeah. all season. Literally, yeah, only lost exactly. Once. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you want to hear some terrifying Liverpool stats just quickly? I know go on then. Time. Give us the give us the back the head to Aaron. So I'm not even. I'll, I'll, I'll skip the, the I'll skip the head to head. No, uh, although just, it's not. No, don't do don't do the head to head. It's always depressing. The head to head. It's really actually depressing. not as bad. I don't want to hear it. It's not actually. I don't think any of our listeners want to hear it. It's not as bad against Liverpool as it is against some. I mean, the all time one is awful. But the last ten, we've actually won three of the last ten. One of those was when we beat their youth team five 0 But we'll gloss over that. But well, the last the, two have been good. Yeah, in terms of <laughs> in terms of theirs, uh, their season, they've only lost once all season. Uh, they've won their last six games in a row, scoring seventeen goals. Bearing in mind we've only scored twenty one all, all season in the league, uh, and only conceding twice. They have scored four or more goals on six occasions this season. They've scored three or more goals on thirteen occasions this this season. Uh, and we've only managed that twice, and one of those was against Barrow. So, um, um, you know, uh, so the, therefore, it's not just that they're beating teams, they are just absolutely battering uh, teams. So the only, I guess, glimmer of hope is that Brighton and Brentford have most both managed draws uh, against them, and certainly... Uh, so far under Gerard, we have been as good, if not better, than those uh, than those teams. I mean, we were uh, literally better than Brighton because we we beat them, didn't we? So, um, and they weren't great against Wolves. They weren't great against Wolves last weekend. Just managed to get the result, didn't they? At the end, yeah. yeah. Although you know? Wolves, so, Wolves do make it difficult, don't they? But um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, they've got they've got so much, haven't they? And you know, that's even before we get into the individuals and Salah's insane stats this season. Form, um, yeah. or, you know, yeah. even if you look at it over the last two or three seasons, his scoring record is ridiculous. And he's also yeah. getting an absolute bucket load of assists uh, this season as well. He's in a sort of similar position to what people were saying about uh, Harry Kane last season. Remember him, Harry Kane? Remember when he used to score goals? Is he that? still playing? Nah. Is he still um, playing? You've lost I don't him. Know. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean... <laughs> In many ways, a, a, a terrifying, a terrifying fixture. But I suppose the, the plus side of that is it's a bit of a free hit, isn't it? And uh, yeah. what's, what's which which brings us happen? nicely onto predictions, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I, go yeah, for it. I, I think it will be it'll be the toughest game that we've we've faced so far. I think even tougher than City, because I think if you look at the City game, we were we were not far off getting something out of that. Um, but against Liverpool, I think will present us with a very different challenge. They are they are red hot at the moment. They're on form, um, and Mo Salah turns up like he has been doing the last few months. We could be in trouble. But 
I think there's positive signs, um, and I think I think we can go there and get a draw. You know, if we we suffer well and defend well and 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 do what we do best, you know, counter attacking, getting in that final third. Um, if Watkins can find the back of the net again, he seems to love a goal against Liverpool. Um, so you know, let's 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 be confident. I think for me, it will be a two-two-two-two draw. Nice, good. I like that positivity, Sam. Yeah, I think we lose the game by the odd goal. Um, they're, they're a great side. I think we put in a good account of ourselves. I think we do like, like against Man City. I think we probably will come away from the match thinking, God, we could have got, got something from that. But I, I just think they're, they're in good form. They've got really good players. I think they'll have slightly too much for us. I, I will say it's going to be 2-1 to them because I do think we will score. But overall, I think the main thing that we need to take from the fixture is that and Steven Gerrard has been absolutely flawless in the way that he has approached the whole Liverpool thing. Um, he they asked him about sentiment, he said none, and I believe him. You know, I, I think he's he's a professional and he's going there to, going to try and get a result. I don't think he anyone's. Seems, he seems like he hasn't got any sentiment. Out. He seems like he hasn't got any sentiment about anything so far. He's he just yeah, but, seems like well, but such a miserable bugger. I don't think. Sure, but I don't think anyone's going to be able to get their phone out and see him touching the This Is Anfield sign because I just think he knows the traps, he knows the pitfalls, and he won't fall into them. And he'll come away and, and actually, he'll say, mate, you, you know... You've spoken about sentiment, and you know, I was speaking to the Liverpool boys on the podcast on Tuesday night, and they all think that the Liverpool fans might get themselves a bit ravelled up in the overwhelmingness of Stevie G being back at Liverpool, and that might just affect the players of the game and the crowd, and the focus might just be on the wrong thing. So let's take advantage of that yeah, if that is the point, case, yeah. you know. Because we're not going to we're not going to be getting sentimental about it. We don't care. Um, but it, for them, it's a big deal that Stevie G comes back and he's wearing claret and blue on his tie instead of red. You know, so let's see. Oh, I, we go. I, I agree with that. But what I mostly think is that if we lose by the odd goal, we put in a good performance. Stevie G will take the positives. He'll learn the lessons, Definitely. and it will be like that was a game, and we go into the next game positively yep. without the fanfare with you, and the agree. kind of nonsense. It certainly won't yep. be Gerard Houllier uh, coming back to Liverpool. Will it? <laughs> no, no, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, AJ. I think we'll lose three or four one. I just think they're too they're too good. As much as I appreciate the improvements that we've all the optimism, <laughs> the improvements we've made, and all, and it's it's no reflection on us. It's just to do with the the gap between the teams. And I know we put in a good performance against Man City, but that was at home as well. Uh, I just think you know at at Anfield, as good as Gerard has been in keeping us tight and all of that. I just you know I'd like to see the one that we get Danny Ings off the bench though. It's a bit of a Remember he's me. fit apparently. He's yeah, fit. he's uh, seen pictures of him in training. Uh, yeah. in training today. Yeah, he's good to go. He's good to yeah. go. And uh, uh, well, uh, the good thing about Gerard uh, being in our in our camp is he scored twelve goals against us in the Premier League. Uh, God. So <laughs> um, yeah, good. To, both him and Fowler have scored uh, twelve each. Loved a goal against the Villa. Yeah, <laughs> Gerard. I can remember. That. I remember him scoring so many against us. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be. <sighs> I've just got a feeling. I think we're going to win 2 1. I'm just going to go for it. I've got a probably, feeling. Probably being feeling feeling deep oh, there's no reason not to be optimistic. Like, we're, we're, we're playing well. We're growing into. into it's the it's about time they lost a game. No reason not to, there's no reason not to be optimistic. I just think. I agree with AJ that they're a quality side. I think we'll lose. But I wouldn't be. If I had a ticket, I wouldn't be going up there thinking, oh, no, this is grim. We're going to be on the end of a tonking. I think we're going to put a good account of ourselves in. Yeah, I agree. I hope you're all right, and I'm just being overly pessimistic. But I just look at the way they've just been destroying teams. No, I mean you're probably right. You're probably right. Well, let's be honest. Wolves. 
They've won six out of six in the Champions League as well. You know, it's. Uh... Oh, come on, the Champions League is a joke. It is a, a joke bit of, format, mate. It is a bit of a joke, but <laughs> nonetheless, it would be nice to be in it, wouldn't it? Yeah, but we. I think we'd win quite a few of those group games. Yeah, we probably would. Um, shall we? Uh, that's enough about Liverpool. Should we move on to the Villa Vault? Yeah, baby. Let's yeah. do it. Sam, on you, mate. All right. Um, okay, so I'm going to take you back to a, a time of, uh, to be honest, um, similar optimism. Uh, you know, a time when we were all uh, geared up for uh, a season that I think we all felt that we could get into Europe. I think we all felt that we were on the on the edge of something. Uh, we had a we had a new manager. Uh, well, actually, he wasn't that new, but uh, we, we we definitely felt like we were going places. Uh, so I'm taking you back now to Saturday, the 11th of August, 2007. No, oh, it's a 2000s uh, one. And, and I've taken me out of my mid 90s comfort zone. Yes, I'm in trouble here. And actually, and actually, <clears throat> I normally stick religiously to the uh, to the home and away uh, scenario, but actually, this is this was home at Villa Park. I really want to talk about this game because uh, Yarrow, um, God, how old was Yarrow in 2007? Like, I, about, I, 12. about 12. <laughs> what he was doing with seven. us, what, what he was doing with us in Brindley Place on the piss before the game. I've I mean, no 18, idea. 18, I mean, he was 18. Well, he was, he was 18. probably well underage. <laughs> anyway, and uh, we're in Brindley Place and the sun's shining. It's a beautiful day and we're all full of optimism, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, Yarrow says he's going to get the first round in, which, you know, for a 12-year-old was great. It must have cost him all his pocket especially, money. Especially in and he Brindley brings place, over man. this tray of beers. He brings over this tray of beers and he tries to set it on the table and he just loses control and it goes everywhere. And, and uh, if anything, that was like a, a, a not a bad metaphor for the game that was to follow. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I, can anyone remember? So uh, yeah, Saturday 11th of August 2007, Villa Liverpool at Villa Park. What happened? So what, what? It was two one, two one to Liverpool, I think, with a Martin Larson own goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in Gerard. It Freaky. was Martin Larson, OG, and the Gerard, and another Gerard reason Freaky. why I wanted to talk about the game is because this guy, Stephen Gerrard, um, it was never a foul. It was never a foul. Though. It was never a foul. It was, it was Petrov. So it was Petrov. Was it Petrov that was it from yeah, absolutely yeah. miles out that free kick? Is that the one? Yeah, is that the right not, one? Yeah. Uh, it was. Were, they wearing what? were they wearing white? Certainly, you go on holiday, AJ. Uh, yeah. Um, they were wearing white, and it was a Gerard. It was a, a Petrov non-foul. Non-foul. So what happened yeah. was they go one 0 up. Uh, Martin Larson, OG, who equalised for Villa? Barry, Gareth Barry from the spot. Barry, yeah, I was sitting oh, right. God, you're it. good at this, Aaron. Aaron's too you're, good at this. He's not showing AJ. He's up. not coming back. You're on. showing AJ up yeah. for the chancer that he is, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah um, if I haven't cribbed it from someone else's article, I'm useless, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 85 minutes. Um, we were all there in uh, L3 or wherever we had our season tickets back in the day, thinking 1-1 against Liverpool, first game of the season, you take it. But no, Petrov puts in what I thought was a perfectly fair challenge and Gerard steps up and curls one in from probably about 30, 35 yards. It was great. It was yeah. a great strike. Was it Carson in goal? So let's go through the 
Let's go through the lineups. All right. Oh, so uh, AJ, I'm going to go to you because uh, Aaron Aaron's showing you up. So it's a chance for you to redeem yourself. Well, Omos just said he thinks it. Omos just said he thinks it was Carson. So I'm going to go with Carson. And I'm going to no. go with Stuart, Stuart, Taylor. Stuart Taylor. I think he You're made an appearance Aaron. that day. You're too good, Aaron. Stuart, Stuart Taylor. Taylor was in goal. Carson would have stopped it. Carson would have stopped it, of course. <laughs> Carson was, was awful. He on loan? I remember was him he missing, on a, missing a free kick in the middle of his goal against Nobby Solano. So I oh, I'll, tell yeah, you why I Carson, I'll tell you why Carson didn't play, because he was on loan from Liverpool that season. Hang on. It's mad, isn't it? Now he's yeah, on the bench in Champions League for Man City. It's crazy. I was yeah. uh, really hoping yeah. that Edison would get injured the other day so that he... Uh, <laughs> He had to come on in the Champions League. <laughs> All right, so um, we were playing. I mean, the, the I think we were playing a back four. Lawson, so, uh, obviously. Lawson, yeah. obviously. Melberg, Lassberg. Melberg, uh, Wilford yeah. Bruma yeah. on the left. Bruma. Uh, and Bruma. it was probably. Is that Knight? Who was on the right? Who was on the right? No, right back. Yeah, who was the right back? Aaron Hughes. Uh, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it here, and I think I'm right. I think Craig Gardner played there that game. Craig Gardner. Great guy. Bloody hell. It wasn't Aaron's injury boost. Come on, it's not my period, but Omar, if anyone's getting shown up, it's Omar. Everybody knows I'm not going to get it. I haven't had a chance. (laughs) I haven't had a chance to uh, answer it because Aaron's too quick. All right, so give us us the midfield four Barry, Petrov, Ryokoka, Ashley Young. Yep. Gabby, Carew. That's it. That's it. You've you've reeled them off. And then Carew and Ogbonlahor. Up top. So, who came on us? Uh, we had we made two substitutions. Who were they? Uh, Gary Cahill. Little known, little known centre back called Gary Cahill. And how do you know um, that? Uh, I'm guessing on the bench would have been Marlon Harewood, Sean Maloney. He didn't come on. Neither of them came on, but you're correct. Uh, Patrick Berger. Nope. Luke Moore. Luke Moore came on. So oh. the, uh, yeah. And the other one, the other, uh, the other, uh, play, the other sub would have been Isaiah Osborne at the oh, time. Yeah. yeah, you're too good at this. Don't invite him back. He's too good. This is ridiculous. This is like some sort of photographic stuff going on here. It's got the program <laughs> in front of him or something. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, and normally, normally what we do now is we say we go through the opposition team and we talk about how many of them have played for Villa. The problem here Ooh. being. That they were t- they none were too them. good, <laughs> yeah. So none of them, uh, although one of them is man is now manager of us, but the rest of them, I mean, Fernando Torres for some reason wasn't tempted to come to Villa, uh, you know, and and nor was uh, Sammy Hippier or Jabby Alonso. Oh, or, Hippier uh, wasn't any better than oh, Lawson no, or Melberg, is, was he? Is, no, he wasn't. There, he there's wasn't one. There's one player that. that played that day. There's one player that played that day that has played for Villa. Who is it? It was Pepe Reina. Goal. The goalie, Pepe Reina. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't very I'll good for us. My though, abiding memory of Pepe Reina in a Villa shirt was when, was it against Tottenham when he let one in and he pulled his shorts up? Yeah. The penalty, when he say, saved I the penalty and uh, they scored off the rebound, yeah. yeah. And then it so went in on the rebound he pulled he his annoyed. shorts up. And I thought, yeah. yeah, he was very upset. Cool. Bless good one, Sam. Yeah. Excellent. No, it was great. It was Excellent a great work. day Odd out. Aaron. I think you're the champion, you're the champion this week. Yeah, but you're banned now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. But you are banned from quizzes. Is, this might be some who if we'd have had villain of the week that here. week if we'd have had villain of the week that week it would have been Yarrow for spilling a whole round of drinks yeah, that's, harsh. that's harsh for the that's harsh that, that cost him probably <laughs> like say, all his pocket money <laughs> it'd have been the ref for the on free kick wouldn't it yeah I mean yes. yeah, it, was, it was a terrible decision terrible 
But all, yeah, all the all the Liverpool fans that I saw nicking about half of WH Smith and New Street Station that day. That's that's what would be my villains of the week. Right, I remember mate, that clearly. To... Grab me a new statesman there, la. <laughs> you had to get a Scouse accident, didn't you? Every I bloody episode. Sorry. Every episode. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> right. Thanks, boys. That's. Uh, I think that right, was wrapped up slightly longer this week, obviously, because we talked about the AJ talked about 50 minutes on the analyst article. Thanks, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> Thoroughly enjoyed it, boys. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Aaron. It's been absolutely pleasure. We, I enjoyed having Cheers, you Aaron. until until nice you trashed you. us at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're invited back, but I'm going to mute you when you uh, comes to the quiz next time. Uh, but yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, we'll definitely have you back yeah, on no at some point. No problem. Thanks a lot, boys. Thank up you all for listening. And uh, up the villa. I haven't finished yet. I've got to do my usual bit. You've gone uh, gone early. You've gone early. It it happens to people sometimes, mate. You can't. (laughs) Oh, forget it. Let's just do it. Up the villa. (laughs) (laughs) Up the villa. (laughs) Up the villa. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, but the very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears. I'll give it to Esri Concert.